0: Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. As always, Jay, the season's saved. We're all good. We can forget about the first month of the season. We can forget about all of Joe Burrow's problems. The season is saved. Of course, the Bengals won against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday to move to two and three. The best the Bengals have looked all season by far, Jay. What what are your main takeaways from this? It feels like it feels like the season, it feels like we can start fresh. We can start anew here. How do you feel?
1: Uh, not quite that, not quite okay. starting fresh and starting anew, okay. but it's It's a giant exhale for Bengal fans because it does. It just it looked like it's supposed to look, like they yes. thought it would look in week one with a healthy Joe Burrow. But, I mean, let's not forget, it. you go back last year and you look at all the what-ifs and buts where they could have maybe hosted the AFC Championship game. And, you know, I, I do think the, those three losses are behind them but i think when we start talking playoff seeds if the bengal's are truly turning this around and they're going to be in the playoffs those three losses could be the difference between a home game and a road game at some point in the playoffs so it's always the body of work but but yes to to be 2 and 3 at this point like the difference between 2 and 3 and 1 and 4 is astronomical yeah. and you know and i we'll probably get to this later but man that meltdown in pittsburgh by the ravens that's just it's like, holy cow, now all of a sudden it's it's three yeah. and two, three and two, two and three, or two and two, two and three. This It's a jumbled mess in the AFC North. The, the Bengals have to feel good about that, have to feel great about how Joe Burrow looked on Sunday because it looked like the old Joe Burrow. Not just the stats, but the way he put them together, the way he was holding on to the ball longer and moving in the pocket and taking off and running and not sliding down after one yard and getting the first yeah. down. It was just everything you expected from Joe Burrow this season. And and finally, there it was. And people can talk all about Arizona's a bad team, maybe the worst roster in the league. That's not the important thing here. The important thing is the way Joe Burrow played and really the way he thought that the confidence yeah. that he had to do what he needed to do and get it done. Absolutely. I mean, the win is obviously important, but I think Burrow's
0: health and how he looked is like honestly even more important the way Mm -hmm. he looked navigating the pocket navigating pressure to scramble for a first down and and slide and drop the ball and look like he used to when he was able to escape the pocket and get a few first uh, get a first down and then he ran the next play too after that and and looked good and and dove even when he was getting sacked he was jumping around and looking more mobile in the pocket and and spinning around Mm -hmm. and it looked so much different it looked like the joe burrow we've seen in the past right I, I yeah. retweeted a play, and Joe talked about this too, that on the first touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, of which we'll get into everything that Jamar Chase did in this game, which was absolutely incredible. Uh, but on the first touchdown pass to to Jamar Chase, that he was able to spin away from pressure, that he was able to kind of replant on that, on that right yes. leg, reset, and not only that, but throw across the field, throw across his body, an absolute dart for 25 yards to Jamar yeah. Chase. It, it's so good to see that, I think it's honestly kind of amazing from where he looked against the Titans to now it's hard to believe it's been one week. Honestly, it looks like it kind of, to me, it feels like, man, this is a guy who maybe had two or three weeks off. No, this is one week and he looked totally different. I think you have to be so excited about what's to come for this Bengals offense. There are still problems Uh all with this roster. We'll get into there's some issues still. And like you talked about, they've already banked these losses. They can't go back and fix what already happened. So, you know, Moving forward, that's going to be kind of an albatross around their neck. But heading into the Seattle game and then with the bye after that, I think you have to feel good about how Joe Burrow looked, how he was processing, how he was moving in the pocket, just how everything about how this offense was working with with no T Higgins too. Right. I think you have to feel really good just about kind of how this offense feels. It wasn't maybe that blowout win that we were kind of hoping for that would kind of wipe away all these concerns, but to see them put up 34 points, and I know some of those were on defense, but, it, it was an absolutely impressive win, I thought. And it makes you, if you're a Bengals fan, it makes you feel good about moving forward.
1: Yeah, and then the reason it wasn't a blowout is because the the defense was, you know, still not what it needs to be. And, and giving up some big plays and letting the Cardinals get down the field. And if you just if you you'll take 34 points, and yes, seven came from the Bengals defense, but you'll take that performance. And there was still they had opportunities to get other plays, and it's it's still just a, a matter of kind of getting back to the new normal, if you will, of, of what mm-hmm. they can do and what the expectations are. And it, kind of, it just goes back to kind of what I thought at Tennessee, where it's, it's not a matter of Joe's calf hurting. It's a matter of him trusting it. And yes. can I do what I want to do without feeling the tweak? And I think that was it. They, they talked about how much he, he moved around in practice and looked better. And, and he even said, despite, get you know getting hit as much as he did in that Tennessee game that he felt as good as he has after a game all year. Yeah. So the signs were kind of there that that this was the week that it was really going to open up and now you know you, you you avoid disaster against Seattle uh without a without any kind of recurrence and you get the week off for the bye and then you know, uh, you, really it's a week and a half because you're not going to do anything yeah. until the, the early part of that following week or the middle part of that following week. So really a chance. Be interesting to see if if that's his plan is because he talked about the the best way to heal a calf is rest. Mm -hmm. Then is he just going to completely stay off of it for this bye week and just let it rest and heal? Or I'm curious too, because you know, the these guys, they, they work out all the time. And has he been able to do calf raises? Has he been able to do the normal kind of leg exercises that he would do, or is that fear of kind of re-injuring it while working out been there? And, and so does he try to catch up there and and rebuild strength in it? It's, there's a lot to, to process over Mm -hmm. the bye week. And um, we'll see, you know, we'll talk to Joe on on Wednesday and see how he's feeling and what his plans are for the bye week. But yeah, I think, Sunday was an exhale, but now, again, it just seems like yeah. going into every game, it's it's going to be hold your breath because you just never know. I don't know at what point Bengal fans are going to feel comfortable where you're not wondering every time he takes off running, like, is he going to pull up? Uh, yes. But it, it, that's getting through this one, I think, would be the huge, huge mile marker because then you got the bye week and then then you really hit the, the grind of the schedule coming out of the bye.
0: Yeah, I think Bengals fans will probably will take this performance, even if it means having to worry moving forward, right? At least they've seen the Bengals. This is possible that the Bengals can look like the Bengals of old, that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase can have that connection they've had in seasons past. Uh, Jamar Chase obviously set a new franchise record with 15 receptions, three touchdowns, uh, just a really amazing performance. And we've seen him have games like this in the past, but the connection between Burrow and Chase, I thought was incredible. Was that the second touchdown, the, the deep, the deep post, maybe the best throw, I, maybe the best connection I've seen Burrow and chase have during their time. I mean, there obviously been a lot, a lot of great, great throws and great deep balls, but it was a beautiful pass. It was it, yeah. that, that moment right there felt like, okay, the Bengals are back. Joe Burrow was back. Um, and not only that, but I think Burrow did a lot of out of structure work too, right? I think the first mm-hmm. and third touchdowns to chase looked like they were out of structure and that he kind of made something happen in the pocket and, and Chase made something happen with the defenders, and they were able to score. I thought that was really impressive, too. I mean, that's the type of thing that Joe just hasn't been able to do, right? He's been stuck in the pocket, or at least felt like he was stuck in the pocket for these first this first month of the season. So to see that, I thought, was really impressive. I thought the Bengals' offense did, did a couple good things, too, in terms of using play action. I think it was the second most play action attempts they've used all season. They had Jamar Chase in the slot, and just creating those little plays where he's in space or where he has a couple of blockers in front of him and we know how good it, Jamar is at, at making people miss tackles just just those little flips out to Jamar Chase and let him make something happen we know they can hit the deep ball when it's there as they did on Sunday but given given Chase those just chances to pick up little chunk yardage, I thought that was a good sign for the offense just in terms of a little something different
1: uh on Sunday yeah, I mean, and Joe Mixon ran the ball well. Yeah. It was yeah. the, the most we've seen him run. It was the most yards we've seen him get. That's That opens up that whole play-action element so that yes. it all kind of works together. Um, you're right. It was a, just a really well-rounded performance. And it's funny. You talk about the off-script stuff. You know, Zach even said that they were on the headphone, like, screaming, throw it yeah. away, throw it away. Right, <laughs> right. And, right. and, and that, they've been doing that since Joe was a rookie. I remember yeah. uh, it was a week three when they tied the Eagles, and there was a play where – he Joe extended the play, extended all the way over to the sideline, and Zach is right there, literally not talking to coaches on the the headset, screaming at Joe, throw <laughs> it away. And Joe throws it and gets a completion. And Zach's just like, All right, I, I guess I'll just trust him to do what he needs to do. And it is. That's he talked about it, that's his magic. That is yeah, that's exactly. what makes Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. Um the what you, you ask about the deep ball. Um, it may have been the best throw. Uh I, the one I go back to was week 3 of 2021 uh, in Pittsburgh and they they mm. just weren't going anywhere they weren't they they had to the, you know they they found the explosive connection in week 1 against Minnesota they just got drubbed in Chicago in week 2 they go to Pittsburgh where they never win and it was one of those slugout games it was right before halftime yep. and Chase ran a nine route down the left sideline and Burrow put it up there and it looked Chase caught it midway toward the back of the end zone and he caught the back half of the football I mean it was the same kind of thing where Burrow put it out a little bit in front of him and just trusted Jamar to hit that extra gear to go get it and he did and he caught the back part of the football and it's just that it it was a a different play but it still kind of reminded me of that play just because it was throw it up a difficult uh difficult kind of throw and then Mm. just let Jamar go get it and he did and that one was it just shows what, what the, and this happened, it started in the Buffalo playoff game where they really mm. embrace moving Jamar around him in the backfield and, and, and looping him out of the backfield, doing all these different motions and stuff. And um, he talked about it this year in training camp where he he expected to do that a lot more. And, and they he wanted T Higgins to start doing that a lot more because you put T in the slot and, oh my God, that's a, that's a horrible mismatch for a yes. defense. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see that now that Joe is healthy and and Jamar's been terrific all year, and then you get T back healthy. What this offense really can do, and Zach yeah. talked about it yesterday that they've got to continue to be creative because teams are going to figure it out. And uh, that, that's I know Bengal fans hammer on Zach that this isn't the most creative offense, but it's it's a good sign to see that they're it's they're not overhauling it. I mean yeah. you can't do that at this point in the season, but they're willing to put in new wrinkles and and, and try to come up with new ideas to scheme these guys open.
0: Yeah, just little, element, just little elements of spice, right? A little yeah. a little something different. Because I think the Bengals' game plan on offense is typically like, we're better than you, which they are mm-hmm. for the most part. They've got guys that can win on one and one they, in situations. They don't have to scheme guys open necessarily when you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. Yes. But it's not bad to make it easier. It's not a negative to make it a little bit easier for Joe Burrow. So if if the Bengals' staff can start sprinkling in these little elements that make things a little easier for the offense – I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You can still go to the one-on-one situations and to these deep balls when you want to, but to add these little elements. And I think is great. I think this offensive performance, I think we have to talk about to manage this effort with T Higgins out too, was incredibly impressive right. that you're doing this with Trenton Irwin as your as your starting wide receiver, right? You're doing this without a guy in T Higgins, who could be a number one receiver for a lot of teams in the NFL. So I think that was really impressive that, Arizona's defense, they don't have the best secondary, they don't have the best talent on paper. But, you know, they're NFL players. They can say, "Hey, we're going to focus on stopping Jamar Chase." They still couldn't do it even with T Higgins not on the field. If T Higgins can come back next week or after the bye, I think that I think that makes Bengals fans feel pretty good about what
1: this offense can look like. For sure. And and if he can't, you still feel good because yes. of the way that Trent Irwin stepped up and you know, Andre Yosivas got his first catch and uh, there, there was just a lot to like there. Higgins is an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like he might be able to play this week when he came back Friday and was running routes on air. Zach said it was his call not to have him play. Um I don't know what the decision, and I asked Zach about it. I said, does, does the fact that the bye is on the other side of the Seattle game, does yeah. that factor into your decision at all? And he didn't want to get into that. He's like, we'll just, we'll see how it goes this week. But to you me, think you, you think you would have to though, the fact that the bye, right. You would think that would have to play into the decision a little bit. Right. And that, and the fact that how well they play now, I know Seattle's a different animal than Arizona, yeah. but just to, to show that you can do that. I think that, that, that gives them the luxury of time where, yep maybe you do sit tea another week and and let him get fully healthy because it's not about just playing through pain i mean it the football players are so good at at managing the pain and, and like i said playing through it but it still hurts and in sure. in that moment if he gets hit he can, it can hurt like hell and he can get up and play the next play but in that moment when you take that shot, the body's going to react the way the body's going to react, and it it could lead to a fumble. If he's got the ball yeah. in his hands and you take a shot on that sore rib, there's going to be that that little bit of a and that could be the difference in the game. That you know, Absolutely. so it's just there's a lot to consider and go into this. And I know you know there's always the cynical side of fans that say, "Oh, he's he's just milking this because he didn't get his contract." That's nonsense. That's just crap. Anybody who knows T. Higgins knows what drives him and the kind of guy he is. And he would never sit out for something like this. And, and, and I, I will know if we can talk to him this week. I don't, I would assume he was lobbying to play. The fact that they had him questionable and and then Zach made the call not to play him. So yeah. Encouraging sign that they could do what they did without T Higgins. Um, And you know, we'll see, this is, we'll get into this, the the Seattle Seahawks Mm -hmm. here in a little bit, but this is a, a much, Greater degree of difficulty this Seattle defense, yes. but the way Trent Irwin played really does, and the way, the way not just Sunday, the way he does every time they ask him to step in. Yep. Except for the AFC Championship game, that was the outlier because that I don't know Kansas City just had an answer for him that the Bengals couldn't do anything in that game once Tyler Boyd went out. Um, I, I really do feel it would have been a different game. if Boyd hadn't gotten hurt. Hmm. Um, but but Trenton Irwin just wasn't the ideal replacement for Boyd there, even though a few weeks earlier he went nuts when yeah. Boyd hurt his finger against New England and he comes in and catches a couple touchdown passes. So I, I think they feel really good about, about having Irwin uh, to, to be the T the Higgins replacement if it has to be that way for another week.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think Irwin's been b- very impressive. I would encourage anyone to go check out Jay's story on, on Trent and Irwin this week and about how his father got to come to the game, and it was it was an absolutely great story. Um, yeah, I feel good about Irwin as the wide receiver four on this team. To go back to T. Higgins for one second, I think, yeah, to say that this is about a contract situation, I think that's a ridiculous take. Number one, because of what you said is because we know the type of person T. Higgins is any pending free agent the worst thing you can do is not be on the field right i know right. he doesn't want to get hurt and re- in, and injure re-injure himself and miss more time but missing any time in like you're in your contract season that's not what you want to do that availability is the best ability in the nfl so i any i think insinuation that t would be sitting out for a contract situation i i think that's totally wrong that's just my opinion but i don't think yeah. that's i don't think that's realistic um Yeah, I think the only other thing on offense I wanted to bring up was the offensive line. I I think there's still some issues up front. Um, Mm -hmm. You saw it on Sunday when the Cardinals were doing some defensive line games, when they're doing stunts and twists and they're looping guys around and taking different angles. The Bengals had a lot of trouble with that. And they've had a lot of trouble with with those type of defensive line games for a few seasons. Uh, And that's with different... Personnel up front, too, right? This is you've added Orlando Brown this year. I thought he had some trouble in one on one situations, which is not necessarily what you want from your highly paid left tackle. Um, I think there's still some concerns up front. I'm not saying it's the end of the world. I think we thought coming into this season that the Bengals' offensive line was the best it's been in years, and, and in terms of both starters and depth, there's still time for this to mesh. Obviously, we're only through five games. What what do you think about up front? There were obviously some issues. Is this something that they can rectify as as the season goes along, as they get more kind of cohesion together, or is this going to be an issue that we're looking at in December and saying, here we go again. The Bengals offensive line can't protect Joe Burrow.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to be better for a couple reasons. One, just – knowing who the guys are now cordell volson's a different animal he's in his second year and and he's still kind of learning but these other guys have played a lot of football and, and they've played well and i and i thought alice kappa played really well on on he was kind of the outlier yesterday or sunday against arizona mm-hmm. but everything we talked about earlier about joe burrow finding his footing and getting back i mean the o-line had to approach things differently knowing yes. what Joe Burrow was dealing with and now if that's if you take that element out I think that just lets them relax and and it's not just feeling like anytime they they miss a block that that it can be disaster but just simple things about run you know running a guy by um because you you assume Burrow can step up and, and get away from him and then when he's compromised you know he can't step up so you you can't you can't lean on your normal technique so I just I, I I trust that they're going to be better. The, the the other issue is a lot of what we've seen has been the the blitzing mm-hmm. and, and the blitz pickup, and that's not all on the offensive line. A lot of that's True. on Burrow. That's on whoever the back or the tight end, whoever happens to be in the backfield. There, there's there's a lot more that goes into that than just you know five guys up front trying to win their one on one battles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I asked Zach about it, and they, they took the three sacks on on Sunday. Uh, all of them were blitzes. They they have no issue with the one on third down that led to the field goal. This is it's been a story since that 2021 season yeah. when when Burrow got sacked 50 some times and and that 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 is always their point that a third down sack in the red zone is a shoulder shrug. Right, it's. Right extend the play as long as you can it's a four-point play if you can make something happen if you take the sack you've got one of the best kickers in the league it's not going to kill him to get backed up eight yards he's still it's still a gimme field goal for Evan McPherson so the the other two were concerning the one that I thought really was crucial because they they really could have taken control of that game right before halftime and they had a third Mm -hmm. and five at midfield with about a minute or so to go right after um Cam got the pick six yep um and arizona ran the stunt where the two two guys on the outside looped inside and joe mixon runs right up the middle to go out for a pass and it doesn't block either (laughs) one of them um and and who i mean i don't know i don't know if that's his if you don't if you don't see a stunt like that coming and he's just focused on getting out it's not like he's in the backfield waiting on a blitzer and then and whiffing That's right a different thing but but yeah, Zach said he 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 thought that they held up well in protection in this game outside of those two sacks uh, in the first half that that where they got beat on the blitzes. So um, we'll see. It's it's it, it better get better. Let's say that because the next four of their next six opponents rank in the top five in the league in sacks per game. Starting this Sunday with the Seahawks, yes. who are they're number two in the league in sacks per game. Obviously coming off of that. That uh, performance on Monday night before their bye, where they yeah. had 11. Um, so here, I've got this here. Seahawks, okay, after the bye, you you got San Francisco. They surprisingly are not in the top five in sacks per game. But then after that, Buffalo, number one, 4.2 sacks per game. Seattle, number two, 4.0. The Ravens, 3.6. They're fourth. And the Steelers, 3.4 sacks per game or fifth. That's what this offensive line is looking at <laughs> in the next six games. So it better get fixed and in a hurry. Um, but I, I do. I have faith in, in things looking better just naturally, just the fact yeah. that Burrow is better. But then trust in Frank Pollock to get this right, trust in the guys that have done it in the league for a long time to get it right. And and I, I don't think we're going to see them sitting at 29th and pass block win rate uh, very much longer.
0: I think on defense, it's kind of the same question, right? As long as the offensive line is. We know that the defense has the talent. We know Lou Remo is one of the best coordinators in the NFL. And the Bengals didn't. The defense wasn't terrible for this game. They were good at the beginning. They were good at mm-hmm. the end. There was a middle section there that wasn't quite as good. They still gave up 142 rushing yards. They let the Cardinals rush for 6.5 6. 5 yards per attempt. Now, some of those were on big plays, obviously. That's going to bring that average up. Um, they got plenty of pressure. I thought Trey Hendrickson was incredible. I thought BJ Hill was re- was really good as a pass rusher, um, but they still gave up some big plays, and that's kind of been the concern through this first month of the season. Is how do you can you stop these explosives? I mean, that's the name of the game in the NFL these days is stopping explosive plays, and the Bengals really haven't been able to do that. And I think it maybe played into we saw Nick Scott get benched for a little bit in this game, and Jordan Battle played more snaps. Mm-hmm. You know, is that gonna be something the Bengals do is start to tweak their personnel if if they keep giving up these big plays and say, hey, well, we don't know what else to do. We're gonna make a personnel change here. We can't keep giving up these these chunk yardage plays. Um, what do you think of the defense? I mean, I think good some good and bad. Obviously, the Cam Taylor britt pick six was was a really nice play, but you know, they kind of threw it right to him and he only had to run about five yards in for the score. It's you know, <laughs> yeah. how, how much how much credit do you really give for that? Um yeah, I thought I thought there was some good and bad. What what were your takeaways on the defense?
1: Yeah, they. So again, the, Lou always harps on this: is where you know twenty three out of thirty three runs went for four yards or less, and that's yeah. what you want. It's just yeah. these these handful that are getting out, and it was the same thing. It's the it's the contain. It's it's not getting just manhandled with runs up the middle. That yep. that forty one yard fake double reverse, um, that that's forty one of those one hundred forty two yep. yards right yep. there. That it's these those kind of plays that are they're really getting them but I will say too they got lucky because they were not stopping James Conner and he got hurt and he left with a knee injury and now there's reports he's going to miss multiple games that was a big break although his his replacement came in and ran for a touchdown so it is it's something they've got to get figured out they've got to get fixed uh you know Seattle Kenneth Walker I mean that's he's he's averaging 4.4 4 yards per per run Seattle that's Pete Carroll's MO he loves yeah. to run the ball so they're going to get tested this week um i don't know how much of it is the two new safeties i think Dax Hill has played really well me too um, me too i and so that you, you you look at Nick Scott and and it hasn't been great and they did work Jordan Battle in. i i don't they would probably balk at the term benching cuz mm. cuz Nick Scott came back in in that game yeah. but we're seeing this. It's a total flip from what Lou told us last year. Cause we, you know, you're talking about Dax Hill and cam Taylor britt and, and can you work these guys in? And he was like, no, and he, he got really snippy and he never gets yeah. snippy. And he's like, this is, you don't do that with DBs. It's you need the consistency back there. It's you need the experience and, and yeah, maybe linebacker, definitely offensive line. You can rotate guys mm-hmm. in, Never in the secondary. Well, now, look, we've got D.J. Turner rotating with Chidobe Awuzie, looking great, by the way. Yes. Um, and, and now Jordan Battle. And he's been working in on three safety looks, on mm-hmm. third down mainly where they moved Dax Hill to cover the tight end, um, and now him, him getting even more run. And they've, they've praised yeah. Jordan Battle's intellect since he got here, his football knowledge. He from the, the Nick Saban school, so to speak. And they've loved that part of him since they drafted him and they took him in the third round, which shows that what they think about his physical ability. So, and he, he looked good in camp. So it just makes sense that they're, they're working him in and, and maybe we see an actual benching of Nick Scott at some point. If Jordan battle continues to play this well, if Nick Scott continues to, to struggle, I don't know that they're ready to pull the trigger yet, but I would expect to see even more of that this week against Seattle. To, to see Jordan yeah. battle in there in some spots, not as a third safety, but in place of Nick Scott. Um, Cause it is, there's, they, they, you need to find the answer somewhere and, yeah. and the the front, the front nine, they're all the same as last year. So that's the only difference is it back there at safety and right. you, you don't put the whole blame on Nick Scott, but you you do need to figure out this because you, they just can't keep giving up the explosives like they have been.
0: And it's not like Nick Scott is this like experienced veteran safety either, right? He has one season of starting experience one. under his belt. Yep. One season, he was a special teamer for the Rams for for a lot of, for the beginning of his career. The Bengals are paying him four million dollars a year. Yeah, it's nothing. That's nothing. That's almost that's like backup money in today's NFL. They could, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and say Nick Scott is, is off the team they could easily move on from Nick Scott next year with like no financial basically no financial penalty. I don't think Nick's, Nick Scott's 28 years old. He's probably not a long-term building piece for this defense. Jordan Battle very well could be. Jordan Battle could be a starter for the next for the length of his rookie con- contract and longer mm-hmm. potentially. I I don't know if that means that they're ready to throw Jordan Battle into the starting mix already, but like you said, I they've shown more willingness to do that this season than they've done in past seasons. I don't think Nick Scott he's the nominal starter. I don't think he's like this obstacle that Jordan battle is going to have to struggle to overcome. I think Jordan battle is probably more talented than Nick Scott and he very well, might already be a, a better player than Nick Scott. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, the Bengals try and figure that out over the, over these next couple of weeks. weeks. Um, anything else on, on this game before we kind of preview into the, into the Seahawks? I think for me, it, it really does feel like a reset of the season. It's, I know they've already banked these losses and and they're still back in the division and they're still far behind several teams in the AFC at large, but it really feels like given where the AFC North landscape is, we talked about it, that the Ravens gave away a game to the Steelers this week that really helped out the Bengals in terms of the AFC North standings, that it just feels, it feels like, all right, these are the Bengals that we, they were waiting to see. Now, how does it, how does it move going forward? It's not going to get any easier. Seattle, than a bye then a buy and then I just an absolute gauntlet of teams after the buy. But I think as we as we move into looking ahead to the Seattle game, it just it's a much more positive feeling than we had after last week's game. I, I don't think we can there's no doubting that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to overlook special teams because it is important and and I think that they've they've quietly they've they kind of followed the path of the team and gotten a lot better the mm. last couple weeks. Um Really, the whole team has—it's only been one game, but yeah. but Brad Robbins has really kind of turned it around. He, yes. He's he's punting so much better now. We we talked about the big game Trenton Irwin had as as a receiver. He had two punt returns for twenty eight and twenty one yeah. yards. He's got he's got five punt returns on the season right now. You need to be you need six to qualify mm-hmm. to be among the lead leaders. If that number was five instead of six the Bengals would have the number one punt returner in the league and Charlie Jones, and they would have the number five punt returner in the league in in, in Trent Irwin. So, and they've been terrific in coverage. They're not, their teams aren't getting out on getting in long returns. Evan McPherson has been money every time they've called him out there, you know, except for the 56 yarder uh, against mm-hmm. the Rams. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think that should be overlooked. That's a, that's a key part too. And um, you know, especially with, with Robbins and he's known for hang time. His last two games, he's averaging 4.47 seconds on his punts as the eighth best hang yeah. time in the league. So that part's starting to come around too. You can just see this whole thing starting to build, starting to come together. I know Definitely. some cynics might roll their eyes and you're like, Oh, it's been one win against the Cardinals. But when you, when you dive in and you look at the, the intricate little pieces, little elements of the game, you can mm. see this starting to come together in certain areas. And, uh, o-line and defense they're the ones that are lagging behind you get those ones caught up and you could it's not crazy to think this team could go on another kind of run like they did last year and it was funny because it's kind of unprompted and and jamar and joe burrow both mentioned how that win against arizona felt like last year's win against new orleans Mm. and they went down there two and three and they were behind the entire game and it's like whoa this team starts two and four and then everybody starts talking about there it is super bowl hangover regression candidate all that and then jamar kind of puts the team on his back with that 60 yard touchdown to win the game and same thing sunday jamar puts the team on his back huge game it just it just has that feel of deja vu it it absolutely does it feels that's actually a really good point it feels a lot like that it
0: feels like it's the beginning of something now instead Mm -hmm. of the collapse that that we are witnessing over the first month. uh, Special teams for one second, they are up to seventh in special teams DVOA this season. So you're absolutely right that they they have looked much improved in that phase of the game. Um, Let's talk about week six. The Bengals have have at least saved their season for the time being, but it's not going to get any easier in week six. Seattle Seahawks are a very good team. Um, They've looked explosive on offense this Mm -hmm. year. I think their defense has, has been much improved from where it was last season. Um, I guess a couple things I'm looking at this game. I, I'm concerned about the explosive plays again. You mentioned Kenneth Walker earlier. He's a very boom bust type running back. They're probably Bengals will be able to contain him for, for the most part. I think that's the type of running back he is, but it only takes one or two big, big runs to, to really do some damage. Not only that, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett is right up there with Joe Jamar chase and, uh, and, and T Higgins in terms of wide receiver tandems, in my opinion. Those guys are absolutely capable of, of finding space down the field and creating huge chunk plays. Um, from the offensive side of the ball, what what are your concerns if you were the Bengals' defense? I, I, the one thing I, I think has is, is surprisingly not been a concern for Seattle is their offensive line. They're missing both their starting offensive tackles. They're starting a rookie at center. They've had to reshuffle their interior a little bit. They still look pretty good. Geno Smith has been pretty well protected, I would say, even with those issues. Uh, what do you see on offense? What do you, what do you, if you were game planning this for the Bengals? What would be your kind of primary concerns for Seattle? For the the
1: Bengals defense against the Seattle offense? Yep. The, yeah. Yes. I mean Tyler Lockett. He, I don't. I don't know that I've ever watched a Seahawks, Seahawks game and Tyler Lockett hasn't <laughs> had an explosive at some I point. Know, it, and, every week. Yeah. And and I looked it up and he actually, doesn't have a lot this year. So I I guess I just haven't watched enough Seahawks this year, but you have to worry about it. it, And it's the same thing. DK Metcalf has that that incredibly just huge frame and he breaks one tackle and then he's got the speed to take it. So that, that would be the concern. The other thing, you you know, we talked, you talked about Kenneth Walker, Mm -hmm. uh, Charbonnet the, the the rookie running yeah. back who a lot of Bengals fans thought was in the Bengals plans and they yeah. could take him um and he he adds another weapon to that offense so um that that is the those those skill players are the ones I'd be conservative Gino Smith doesn't really scare you but but with the weapons he's got around him they, they can make things happen and um the, the Bengals pass rush outside of Trey Hendrickson hasn't been great um and, and it it shows Lou Anarumo is blitzing way more yes. than he, he typically does. And that's a product of well, it's a product of a couple of things because Jordan Battle, Mike Hilton, and, and Zach or Dax Hill are really good at it. Yep. But it's not something he likes to do. And and but he knows he's not getting the pressure that he he needs to get with that front four. Yeah. And, and so he's leaning on that. And that that's a maybe that's another reason why these explosives are hitting because you you make you leave yourself vulnerable when when you're blitzing that often. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they approach it. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if the, if the Bengals can do what they did in Arizona and get out to a lead and, and lean on the run and get a little more aggressive defensively. But that, those are the guys I would point at that. That's my focus is, is, is lock and Metcalf and stopping those guys The I don't know. Kenneth Walker is, he's a good solid back. He, he's not a guy that, that scares you for the home run balls, although he, he has eight uh, explosive runs this year, a 10-plus yard run, uh, yeah. same as Joe Mixon. So he does have that capability, but he just doesn't have that long end speed. Um, I if they want to lean on the run, just try to kind of like the defensive approach, keep everything in front of you. Don't just don't give up the explosives in the run game. Um, but I, I, that's the biggest question to me is is does Lou dial it up or yeah. does he dial it back? How much pressure does he bring against Geno Smith, knowing? That the Seahawks have two wide receivers that can just torch you at any moment. Yeah, the Bengals are blitzing
0: at the fifth highest rate in the NFL. Or sorry, seventh no. highest rate in the NFL. They're creating pressure at the fifth lowest rate in the NFL. Yeah. That's not what you want. That is no. not what you want. If you're blitzing at that high rate, you want to be getting pressure. So that's that's definitely an issue. We we've seen them play against the Titans, who had maybe the worst offensive line in the NFL. And they still had, they got to Tannehill a little bit, but still had some issues getting pressure. I don't know. I'm curious about this, the Seahawks offensive line with playing backups at both tackle spots and a rookie in the middle. I they've held up. I don't, I don't really know how they're doing it. (laughs) Most teams, I think that were in that situation of starting second and third stringers along the offensive line would not be able to hold up. I think that's maybe speaks to Geno Smith's pocket presence and him maneuvering in the pocket a little bit. I think he's, that's probably something he's really good at. Um, on deep, when the Bengals are on offense, what are your main concerns? I think you've got to be worried about the Seahawks pass rush. Yeah, there are sure. it, it's just so much better than it was last season. Boye Mafe, who was a second round pick last year, he has been incredible this year. He's been generating a ton of pressure. Even though teams have been, been double teaming him at times, he's been really impressive. And then I think the, the back end, too, of this that's, that's it. it. It 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 is an incredibly talented secondary, and they're kind of banged up back there still, but when you've got Tariq Woolen and Devon Weatherspoon in your secondary, I mean, we saw Weatherspoon last, last week against the Giants with a pick six. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful taking your shots against against the secondary, I think. that's The Bengals are going to want to try and generate more explosive plays like they did this past week against the Cardinals, but this is a different beast in terms of a secondary than what the Bengals faced last week.
1: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Weatherspoon. It wasn't just the, the pick six. I mean – he had an incredible game in that yeah. Monday night win. He he made the Seahawks' 11 sacks a secondary story. He was that good yes. in that game with tackles all over the place and blitzing, and, and I mean, what would he go, number five overall? I mean, yeah. that, that's what you expect to get. Yeah. Um, Tariq Woolen one a huge surprise last year. Just a, one of those mid-round small school guys comes in, has a fantastic rookie season. Yep. And, oh, by the way, they got Jamal Adams at, at mm. safety. I mean, he left. He finally comes back after all that time. He gets a yeah. concussion nine plays in, but you know, there's a concussion, and they had the bye week. I would expect him to be he ready. Could to be go. back, yeah. So in, in andre, Seattle, andre
0: Diggs, Julian Love, it, it really yeah. doesn't
1: stop. They're they're loaded on the back end. They are, and, and then that that frees them. You would think when you're that good on the in the secondary that that you you don't need to blitz yeah uh, but yet they still are they're coming I, I think they're 11th and in, in or 12th in, in defensive blitz percentage yep. so the Bengals have struggled with the blitz and if you got those guys on the back end stick into the receivers it's going to make it tough on Joe Burrow in this offense could be another Joe Mixon kind of game where yeah. try to get the lead early and then try to get him going just like they did in Arizona
0: yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Seahawks are fourth best in pass rush win rate win rate. It's always hard for me to say. I can never mm-hmm. get that out. And fifth in just general pressure percentage. Like they are absolutely getting after the quarterback. And maybe some of those numbers are were kind of bolstered by that game against the Giants. The Bengals offensive line is better than the Giants. I think we can be we can say that comfortably. The Giants, the Giants cannot block anybody. But yeah, I think that'll be that'll be absolutely critical. Um I, I would like to see the Bengals continue to be aggressive in terms of fourth down decision-making and, and play calling as they were this past week. I thought you saw the Bengals go for it on, on fourth and goal. They didn't get it, but then you saw the result of that, that uh, on the, you know, on the very next drive, they're able to, to get the Cardinals backed up and generate uh, points from the defense. I would like to see that continue. Like to see Zach Taylor continue to go for it on fourth downs when it, when it makes sense, when the numbers back it up, continue to be aggressive in the red zone. I, I mm-hmm. think, taking a, a more of a kind of a static approach or a little more of a conservative approach against a team like the Seahawks that can put up plenty of points and quickly mm-hmm. is not, is probably not the approach you want to take. I, I'd like to see them be really aggressive in this game.
1: Yeah. And, and my other concern is, you know, we, we saw it. They, the Bengals got off the Schneid, the OVO and two, and they beat the Rams and you know, Zach even said it in his post game press conference after the ten. Maybe mm. they enjoyed the win too much. Maybe mm. you know that 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 led to that. So now they go out, they get a big win. You got the buy on the other side of this. Guys are thinking about their bye week plans and all yeah. that. This is this is going to be a mental game as much as it is a physical game to 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 stay locked in. And I thought it was it was telling a lot of times last year that it was a lot of victory Mondays where after they won, Zach gave them kind of an easier day and. Uh, that was, yeah, they were, the locker room was supposed to open at three yesterday to, to, uh, to the media. Um, and, and they were still, all the players were still there. They were still having meetings. It was a, a regular Monday work day for them. Now they're not practicing and, and grinding, but they're, yeah. they're in there, getting their stuff done. And, and um, so I, I thought that was kind of a little mini tone setter for the week. And um, it's going to have to be that way because it's, you, you can't, fans are exhaling, that yep. the, the team can exhale and feel like okay everything's back to normal now this is this is a real test uh and like I said they they need to come in focused and ready to go and and win this first quarter uh otherwise I mean I talked about <laughs> The difference between one and four and two and three. Yeah. I mean, the difference between two and yes. two and four and three and three is pretty big, too, especially when you have a sour taste in your mouth after a loss and you got to sit through the bye week for something like that. And then, oh, by the way, Buffalo and San Francisco coming out of the bye. So, yeah. really, really big week for them to to make sure they are on point and playing their best football against the Seahawks. Yeah,
0: I feel like this is actually a huge game. Like, we talked about it last week that they were able to save the season by winning last week, but the season is not saved by any means this yeah. is a huge game, and it only gets harder. You mentioned it: San Francisco, Buffalo, Houston. Who's playing well? Then Baltimore, then Pittsburgh. It's Baltimore in a short week. Baltimore in a short week. It's not going to get any easier. So I feel like this is going to be a tough game, but they, this is another one they really need. And I feel like we might be seeing that every week. And mm. you know, when you, when you start out the season as the way the Bengals did, every week starts to feel like a must-win. I feel like this this is this is right there. This is, is going to be a big game. And what you talked about. Avoiding a letdown performance, I think, will be huge heading into the buy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into our bets and our predictions for the week. Um, we've been doing we've been doing two bets every week. We've been doing a Bengals related bet and a non Bengals related bet. I think I did okay last week, Jay. Jay, I think I think I went one for two. Is that right? Remind me how we did last week.
1: Yeah, you and Brian went one and one. I finally oh, went two and zero. Oh boy! Uh, I had Bengals minus three, uh, and I had the easiest bet ever: Jaguars plus five and five. They <laughs> win the game outright. They're staying in London for first time a team's ever done that. I just that that felt like such a gimme bet, yeah. and I yeah. took it. Yeah. Um So two and zero for me. You you went under on Bengals Cardinals, and it, that went over. Obviously, did not happen. Uh, and then you had Chiefs minus five and a half, and they won by seven. So you went one and one. Uh, Brian went money line on the Texans and they lost on a last second mm. field goal. So he, his heater came to an end there. Uh, but he went Saints Pats under because he knew the Patriots just can't score. Yes. So he, he won that one. So, uh, now the season totals. Uh, Brian is at plus 20. Uh, you are even money and uh, I'm still in last even after my great week last week at minus 10, but it's, uh, it's bunching up.
0: It's, it's getting much closer. Um, all right, for this week, I think for my Bengals bet, I'm going to do the reverse of what I did last week. I'm actually going to take the over for this game. Uh, the over is at 46.5. I just think these are two good offenses, and we wouldn't have said that about the Bengals heading into last week, but now that we've seen, we've kind of seen the Bengals broken, break the seal. That's how I'm kind of looking at it. They they've proven they still have this in them. I think they can still put up some points and I think the Seahawks are a pretty good offense. And I think the Bengals still have enough issues with big chunk yardage that even if it's only a few big plays, I think that'll be enough. So I'm going to take the over in this game. Uh, I think it'll be a relatively high scoring affair.
1: Yeah. I agree with you because uh, both these defense create turnovers and that can lead to short fields and some quick points. And um, uh, do do you want me to go to mine or do you want to give your, your non Bengals bet here? 46 and a half. I don't know. I, I, I should have looked this up, but that that seems high for a Bengals game. It seems like most of the Bengals games are much lower than that. So, Yeah. Uh, it, it, but I do. People, I agree with maybe you. Maybe
0: people impressed by last week, maybe. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, I'll give my non-Bengals bet. I, it was really tough for me. I think there are a lot of attractive lines this week. I, I hate to do this after how they looked last week, but I'm going to take the Patriots <laughs> plus three at the Raiders uh I've already chosen the Patriots once this year and they they helped me they won me some money I just don't think the Patriots are quite as bad as they looked the past couple of weeks and I really don't think the Raiders are very good I think Josh mm-hmm. Daniels is just not an NFL head coach his decision making last night and in previous games it, it just it's unbelievable that a coach in 2023 can still make some of these fourth down decisions and field goal decisions I, I think Bill Belichick can just walk laps around Josh McDaniels in terms of being a head coach and decision making. And I think the Patriots still have a lot of defensive talent, even if they can't put up any points. So I'm going to take them plus three at the Raiders. Man, nobody
1: knows Josh McDaniels better than Bill. So <sighs> Very that's true. a uh, the, so off topic here, real quick. I watched that game last. Why was there fog in that stadium? It was like a a smoky haze in an indoor stadium. I just I don't know.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, after halftime, you mean? It's it seemed yeah. like
1: oh, maybe the, oh, okay. I yeah. think they did maybe. something
0: at halftime. I don't really yeah. know. Yeah, I, I was know. watching it, but like not that closely. It was a pretty boring game, honestly. I thought it
1: might have been pot smoke. I mean, I when the
0: when the, when the, <laughs> Vegas very played the Raiders played the Raiders two years ago, yeah. walking
1: down the strip in Vegas, that's all you smelled. It was crazy. <laughs> uh So yeah, but it just it struck me as like why? And and the other thing is that really the field they're going to play the Super Bowl on that yeah. looked. Terrible! Everybody's yeah. arguing about grass versus turf. That field did not look good. I I hope they can get something because I I would hate to see a Super Bowl played on that field. Yeah. I, I I didn't see a lot of play. I didn't watch the game all the way, but I didn't see a lot of guys slipping and falling. But it was chewed up. It did mm-hmm. not look like a good field. So, uh, not, that's that's not a and good that was spot. a
0: problem in last year's Super Bowl, obviously. Exactly.
1: Yes, I don't think you want to repeat. Yeah, don't paint it. I mean, it's bad enough as it is, and you put yeah. all the big logos and everything on, and you're asking exactly. for trouble. Um, I, I, didn't like the Bengal. I didn't like either the, the over under or the, the line, the spread. Um, so I'm going to go teaser on that game and I'm, I'm going to tease Seattle up to plus nine. Kay. I just think this is going to be a close game. Yep. Um, and, and then I'm going to go over 40 and a half instead of 46 and a half. Cause I'm with you. I think it's going to be high scoring, but I do think 46 and a half is right around. And I just didn't feel comfortable going over with that number. So, yeah. uh, I'll go with the teaser there um on, on the other on the non-Bengals bet I'm going even though they've looked terrible I'm going Giants plus 14 and a half against the Bills um, Really okay It's I I I just big lines I yeah. teams don't cover them as much as you would think maybe they do The other thing is the Bills lost a crap ton of players they already had guys out then they lost a bunch more they lose Matt Milano the heartbeat of that defense yeah. um, they lost one, a bunch of Jones and guys. yeah and and they're playing the week after London, it used to be the teams always opted to take the bye mm. after London to kind of get reset. They're not doing that. They're playing the very next week after going to London and getting beat. It just seems like way too big of a number. Uh, maybe maybe the Giants are better off if it's Tyrod Taylor instead of Daniel Jones. At yeah, quarterback. So could be. Um, that, that's going to be my my non Bengals one. Uh, Brian weighed in. He's he's going Eagles minus six and a half. Um, and now I forget, I didn't write it down. I can't remember who they're
0: the jets. The, yeah. That was, that, the was jets. that was yeah. one of my other
1: considerations. Yeah. That was on my list. Um, and, and then he's got Colts plus four. Okay. So he's, he's still on a pretty good run. Um, but he, he did, he did have the stumble last week on a last second field goal. So we'll see if he, if he can bounce back, he's our, he's our leader. He's our betting director. He should, he should be good be. at this. So, uh, that that's where we stand this week, uh, going into, the Bengals buy and are by. Maybe, maybe next week's pod we'll we'll just do two non-Bengal bets and, and yeah. keep this going through the bye week. Yeah, for sure. I think that makes sense.
0: All right, let's get into our predictions for this game. Um, I think we both kind of tipped our hand a little bit here, but I'm going to go. I pick the Bengals every week. <laughs> they made me look like a fool several times. I'm going to pick them again. <laughs> I don't feel great about it. I It's not because I feel bad about the Bengals. I, I feel good about how they played this week. I really do. If they were playing any number of other teams, I'd feel much, much better about my prediction this week. I just think Seattle's a really good team. I thought they were going to be good coming into the season. They've even somewhat surpassed my expectations, honestly, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I still think the Bengals can pull this one out. As I said, I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go Bengals 28, Seahawks 24. Okay. Uh, that, that's my pick. I, I don't, I, I think it will be close. I think there will be some big plays from both sides, but I, I think the Bengals can pull this one out. And if they don't, I don't necessarily think it's the end of the world, but it's, it will set them back obviously, as we talked about with their schedule after the buy. So Bengals 28, Seahawks 24, that's my pick. What do you, what do you think,
1: Jay? Yeah, I'm really close. Um, Ooh. I I've got, I'm kind of, uh, I, I'm picked the score for, for nostalgia point or for nostalgia reasons, mm-hmm. Um, the 1981 season opener, the, the game that sent the Bengals on the way to the Super Bowl, they were down 21 to nothing to the Seahawks. In the, they benched Ken Anderson for Turk Schonert, and Turk Schonert leads them back. They win the game 27 to 21. They go back to Kenny in week two at the Jets and win. And then that 1981 season, they go last to first, go to the Super Bowl. Um, I. I picked the score because I kind of think that's the realm it's going to be. And that's 48 mm-hmm. points right around the 46 and a half. I thought it yep. would be so um, I'm with you. I mean, if we were, if we were right every week, the Bengals would be six and O or five and zero, getting ready <laughs> yeah, to be six yeah. and zero. neither one of us have picked against them yet. Um, yes. But yeah, it's, 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 it's still a, a gotta have it game. It's at home. Um, I, I tweeted this stat out, which I found amazing. I don't know if you saw it, but the last time Seattle came into Cincinnati in 2015, Crazy ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bengals have to run the field goal team on the field with no timeouts. They get the field goal yep. from Nugent. Force overtime. They win it in overtime. Since that day in twenty and the Seahawks are fifteen and one playing East Coast games at one p.m. It's remarkable. I that mean, that's hard for, And I don't know if they travel on Fridays to kind of get that extra day in yeah. for the body clock, but really, if you're a West Coast team, that's a ten a.m. start. Um, the other teams, the other West Coast teams. Um, except for the Rams Rams have been. Okay. I think they were 10 and four. I looked up Mm -hmm. everybody since 2015, but that that's really hard to do. It's always harder to go West to East than it is East to West. And so the Seahawks are really good at this. They, they are good at at coming East and playing the one o'clock games in the Eastern time zone. So be on the lookout for that. But I do, I just, what, what we saw last week, I I think this is a a Bengals game. They're, they're, they're hard to beat at home. And uh, uh, that's it. 27, 21. Preferably not a twenty-one to nothing halftime deficit, but yeah. 27 21. <laughs> yeah, I think,
0: man, that's a, that's an incredible stat about them coming to the east to the east coast. I mean, that's got to be like a testament to Pete Carroll, I would think. Yeah, like it get be able to get these guys ready for the for those big travel games. Yeah, I, so I think we're mostly on the same page. um It's a big game. It's a big game. I think it's maybe not quite as instrumental as last season was in terms of or last week was in terms of saving the season, but. It's up there. It's up there. They're, they're, this is a, close to a must-win situation. Um, I think that's all we have for today. We will be back next week when, you know, we'll see We'll see how this game goes. Well, we'll I'm very curious. I think that this is, I'm really excited about to, to watch this game and kind of see if the Bengals can continue what they started last week and push forward and become that team for the rest of the season that we all kind of expected. So this will this will really be kind of a reset and, and game one of almost like a new season for the rest of the year. That's how I'm kind of viewing it. Um. anything wind else? And, Yeah, wind and yeah. rain in the forecast too. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, Because it's uh,
1: my my wife, my son, they, they got a group of like fifteen going, so they've been watching the weather closely. uh Wind and rain—that's just going to make it feel like a home game for yes. Seattle. Absolutely. And one of those one of those fifteen and one wins for the Seahawks already happened this year. They came east, they played the Lions at one o'clock. A really good Lions team, and and really took it to them. The Lions made yeah. an incredible comeback, and Seattle won it in overtime. Yep. So I just just don't sleep on the Seahawks. I know a lot of Bengals fans think everything's fine now with with Joe Burrow leading, yeah. looking normal and then beating the Cardinals. But uh, I, I think this is going to be a really tight game. Absolutely.
0: We will be back next week to talk about this game. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. If you're on a podcast platform, give us a review. Come come read all of our work at Pro Football Network. Jay's doing great work every day on the Bengals. We've got general NFL. We've got fantasy, betting, everything you could want. Come check us out at profootballnetwork.com. We'll be back here next week, next Tuesday, or sometime in the middle of the week next week to talk about the Seattle game. So we'll see you then.